Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello then, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Lee Ryder and Mark Douglas. Uh, both you gents were down in London on Saturday. Didn't turn out to be the best trip in the world. Good start though, Lee, wasn't it? Yeah, good start. It was a little bit like the Man United game, going 1-0 up through Dwight Gale. But, you know, with Newcastle, the more you watch them over the years, the more you know not to get too excited about things like that. And so it proved, I think, Chelsea are a class act, £300 million worth of team there. And Newcastle just, you know, I wouldn't say they got outclassed. They just didn't, they weren't able to cope with um, the situation once they went 1-0 up. I think they got a bit nervy, a bit... Bit panicky and Matt Ritchie's poor clearance with the head out kind of summed that up for me. And then obviously going two one down, I think the referee blew at a great time for them when uh, I think it was uh, Murata was burst through and mm-hmm. Bemba t- took him out and it. And another day that could have been a dangerous free kick and uh, he blew in a nice time. I think the ref just knew that it was uh, just let's just keep the game alive a little bit. And then second half they just had no answer at Chelsea and. You know they got the third goal from the spot, so disappointing day in some ways. But you know, one way you can't get too downhearted. There's plenty of games to come, and they've got to start winning. Yeah, I think uh, I think Lee's absolutely spot on. There's probably you know you can probably beat yourself up over, the, over that kind of result, but no other team in the bottom half has has come close to beating uh, any of the top five on their own patch either. You know, we saw Brighton get beaten five one by Liverpool on on Saturday. Um, you know, even the teams. I mean, Manchester City have probably had the, the smallest wobble of, the, of their season in the last few weeks, and they've played some of the teams down there. Swan, uh, they've played sorry, um, Southampton, Huddersfield, and West Ham. And those two, two three of those two teams, well, all three of those teams actually have played really, really well against Manchester City. But it's so hard to beat those teams at the top at the moment this season because they're in form. And you saw Newcastle. I thought on Saturday the disappointment was that they didn't just hang out a little bit longer with that lead. It might have got Chelsea a little bit nervy, um, and and you know the disappointment was that those mistakes were just so frustrating again, weren't they? Matt Ritchie heading the ball back into play when he probably should have got rid of it, um, and you know Lejeune as well. I think probably I'm not sure it was necessarily a, 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 you know a blatant mistake, but it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't a great clearance. And you know, you kind of think if Newcastle could have just got to sort of forty minutes, and then to half time. But then you saw West Ham yesterday against Manchester City. You can get to half time. You know, the team are going to come on. Chelsea were going to have a spell, and it was about how Newcastle kind of coped with that. And I think they probably haven't got the quality at the moment to just cope with that. But I think in the context of the, the losing run, it was another worrying afternoon for Newcastle. But just on the basis of ninety minutes on Saturday, I don't think many teams in the bottom six are going to get points against the top five this season, uh, especially not away from home because they're just too good. Uh, but arguably for Lejeune, another poor game. He didn't really have the best game against my United. Mm. He's, he looks like he's kind of gone backwards somewhat. Is that because of maybe the injury he had and obviously he was out for a long time? What do you think? I think he's missing Lascelles. You know, Lascelles was, 
it's funny Clark looked really good when he was playing alongside Lascelles Lascelles um, you know played alongside Lejeune and looked pretty good I think Newcastle you know it's been a surprise it's been one or two you know, we're sitting here today and, and, and it's, you know, Atsu Dummett potentially coming back on Saturday and Lascelles may be back on Saturday, possibly another week on, on top of that. But none of those three players at the start of the season, you'd have said, God, we need them back. And, you know, Marina was the other one who was coming back and all four of those players, you know, wouldn't have gone into the season saying that they were going to be absolutely key men. But obviously they, they have turned out to be key men. I think Lejeune, it, you know, he's, the problem is that in a battle... It's whether you know he's very good on the ball. He looks very composed, and in a in a game where Newcastle are on top, or they you know they're they're up against counter attacks, or they're defending quite a lot, it, he seems to play quite well. But I think on Saturday the problem was they just it just didn't look that five at the back didn't it didn't really give Newcastle the sort of solidity that you thought they were going to have. And Bemba was the best of the three centre backs, but the other two were making mistakes. Morata kind of hung on the shoulder of the final Newcastle defender and Newcastle just couldn't live because they were sitting so far back because they knew Morata was had such good movement I mean I've never I've, he's the best striker this season I've seen in terms of his movement he just was absolutely dangerous and because Hazard was had this free role Newcastle didn't know what to do with him um, and, and it was a difficult one for defenders but yeah Lejeune I think I was more concerned with him against Manchester United and the last home game as well because he just didn't look you know there's an argument to say that Clark and Lascelles might be the combination that you go with for the next for the next home game um, they've, they've got problems all over the pitch at the moment Newcastle there's no there's nobody really playing fantastically well you'd say they have to start next week there is nobody like that in the team at the moment and that's why Rafa's experimenting with so many different formations and lineups and things and it does look a bit of a mess at the moment Liam and Bemba he's kind of like Mitovic in a way the fans he's got a lot of support in the stands do you think he's done enough to warrant a bit more of a, a role in the first team he was at fault for the Murata goal he kind of just flopped oh, to the ground um, he did all right against West Brom though do you think though on Saturday we saw maybe why Rafa doesn't play him in his natural position or his so-called natural position at centre-back um, I think with Bemba I, I don't always see what the fuss is about to be honest because I know he had a decent first season but it was very bad everywhere else on the pitch and I think he kind of like stood out in terms of because he was giving it a go and he got a lot of fans on saying they were singing the song but I think he was kind of like a good player in a bad team and I think Rafa like Mitrovic doesn't rate him I can't see him getting a, a long run in the team mm. I wasn't that impressed with him on on Saturday, don't think Garth Crooks was judging by his <laughs> comments either, saying he was terrified of the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you've asked me the question, and only to be honest, I, I, I do not think he's, you know, at the top of the list when it comes to centre backs at Newcastle. I think probably Lascelles and Clark they're going to have to go back to that mm. once they're both fully fit. Um, once Lascelles is fully fit, Lejeune very concerning. The last few games, facing the wrong way on a lot of the goals. Uh, maybe the Premier League has gets caught up with him a little bit. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just think that he's on a bad run of form. And you know, Paul Dummett coming back is he going to be the miracle cure for the defence? They need more players. They need more experience. They need people who can deal with life in the Premier League. And you know, the defence has been poor this season. I mean, look at the last three games; they've conceded a half full of goals. It's not going to get any better unless they spend money. 
And how frustrated will Rafa be? Because against my United, you can say at least two of the goals were just schoolboy errors. You know, Lejeune didn't clear the ball. He, was, he let Lukaku, I think, walk through for one of the passes. And again, on uh, Saturday there, there was you could argue they were really simple yeah. clearances that should have taken place, but they just didn't. They were, they were, they were gifts. All the goals were mm. gifts, weren't they? And Chelsea don't need favours like that. And that's exactly what they got. Um, no surprise, Rafa is looking for another goalkeeper now. Uh, Carl Dollar was brilliant at the weekend but is he going to be the answer every single time you know a lot of people ask questions in the summer about Newcastle why are they buying another goalkeeper why are they buying another goalkeeper because they need someone to organise that defence a bit more Um, how vocal is Carl Darlow is Rob Elliott the answer don't know Woodman too early so I think if you could get an experienced keeper in I mean I've seen Casillas has been linked abroad but I don't, don't think that one's going to happen unfortunately uh, Pe- Pepe Reina would have been a great buy there for Newcastle last summer so would Caballero at uh, Chelsea so you need somebody in there to organise and communicate and at the minute he hasn't got that and you know the defensive record says it all um, Matt Ritchie on Saturday looked out of place I know he was kind of playing at the wing back role mm. but again give the penalty away he should have cleared the ball as well for the, for the Murata goal he's kind of we know he got two assists against West Brom but other than that he has kind of in many people's opinion, gone backwards in a way in the last, yeah. last couple of weeks, or I, off form maybe better. I, I, yeah, I think this is this is kind of one of the things. Look, I mean, Matt Ritchie's a good player and he's a Premier League player, I think, and you know Ritchie will be fine over the course of the season for Newcastle. But this is what happens, I think, when you have a team that you don't invest in is that players who are quite who are decent get they don't get dragged down a level because you know that that's saying they don't own their own performances of course they do but it becomes harder for good for, for, for players who in a good team would look very good to, to to sort of shine you know Richie has been asked to do a different job from the one that he was doing when they were playing 4-2-3-1 um, four, and I don't think it's you know I mean he's not a left back he's not a defend he's not a defensive player he works really really hard and you could see his frustration on Saturday he was he was absolutely furious with himself for the header he was furious about the the um, about the tackle as well that obviously gave away the penalty. I, I'm not worried about Richie because I think he's a good player and I think his his effort levels are really really high and you know. The problem is that the Rafa wants him to do a kind of certain job. He wants him to be disciplined, and, and Richie will do that job every, every day of the week. But it's not his natural game. Really, you need Matt Richie to be playing his natural game and to be to be putting the ball in the box for um, you know playing the dead balls and, and those kind of things. And I think at the moment, what you're seeing from Richie is a player who's kind of being asked to do a load of different jobs to um, kind of almost gloss over the deficiencies in Newcastle's team. They haven't got a left back. The reason he's playing left back on Saturday, left wing back on Saturday, is probably because they haven't got a left back that Rafa can play there. I mean, Manquillo playing at right, playing right back. I mean, Manquillo's just not up to the level that Newcastle need, in my opinion. You know, he's not looked like a good left back on Saturday. He didn't look like a good right back either. Um, and yet, that's the kind of player that Newcastle was signing in the summer. And that has a knock-on effect for other players. That's the thing. It's not just about you sign a bad player. You've signed a bad player you sign a bad player, then other players have to do a different job to, to come in. And that's why I think, you know, you get these kind of runs of form where it, it goes it goes wrong. And good players like Richie, I mean, we saw it in the relegation season, you know, Vijnaldum got a lot of stick, Janmak got a lot of stick, and fair enough, they did switch off in that season. But, you know, they were a part of a team that was awful. And that meant that, you know, their level got dragged down as well. Sissoko, you know, 
got a lot of stick as well from Newcastle and he deserved it because he didn't take enough responsibility his attitude compared to Richie was completely different but it's difficult to play in a team that's struggling and a team that's not up to it because you, it's very difficult to shine Marino didn't play that well on Saturday I thought he, he had moments where he looked nice and elegant but you know he's getting dragged down the level um, Richie's getting dragged down the level you know they've got the defenders we've, we've talked about them there Clark looked good before but it's 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 a problem when they're not playing well. You need players to step to, to stand up. And I, I'm not worried about Richie. I think he's got to keep playing. I think he's got to, you've got to get him on the ball. I'd like to see him given a bit bit more license to roam again, um, like he was earlier in the season. But you know, Rafa obviously thinks that that they need they need him doing a bit more of a defensive job when the team are conceding so many goals down the flanks. Every it must be like 70, 80 percent of the goals they've conceded have come down either flank, and that's a problem because you've got Javier Manquillo playing. Yeah, pack. If, you, if you look at the, the options he's got available, he had, you know, he's, he's having to play Richie, a right winger, mm. and left back. He's had Manquillo at left back, who's a right back. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got to keep plugging, yeah. you know, round holes with square pegs. Or, yeah. and, and going forward, it, it's got to be looked at because mm. Newcastle, we're going to get the stage again where we're writing they're not fit for purpose in the Premier mm. League because mm. they can't compete with, you know, the top. Definitely not the top teams, but the rest of the teams where they need to be picking points up, which mm. they haven't done in recent weeks. And I think Rafa's he's trying to make it clear in, in recent press conferences, like let's not try and hammer the players too much because these are what we've got. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to change that until January the first at the earliest. And knowing Newcastle as we all do, are they gonna do that sort that out in January? Uh, you know, you've got to be doubtful about that, mm. unless there's a takeover. This is the third straight Premier League season that Newcastle have been probably... I mean, obviously, it's not a relegation fight yet because there's still five points above that they could get out of it and they could... But, but you have to be realistic and say that it looks like it's going to be a fight against relegation at some point this season. It probably is already. And that's that will then be the third t- season in succession where Newcastle have battled relegation in the Premier League. And, you know, the four... I think it's four in five that they've battle of relegation you know there's a common theme here and it and we you know people are having a go at Rafa I understand that you know some of his decisions you know you can debate people had to go at McLaren people had to go at Graham Carr people had to go at all these things but the, the fact is it's the direction that the club's gone in the decisions that they've made over year upon year have just been wrong even when they have had money to spend they've made the wrong decisions because they've not got people in place who who are the right people to spend it and you know that is essentially the problem, and that's why, like we wrote on Saturday, and Lee's written this morning. I've written uh, on Saturday that you know th- this is a kind of this is the hint that Mike Ashley needs. You know, it was almost a false, a false dawn earlier in the season when they were doing quite well because you know you could see probably Mike Ashley was sitting there thinking, well, actually, you know, do you need all this money? Do you need this money? I'm afraid the only way that the club can kind of get out of this cycle is either by bringing in a manager who. Somehow manages to fashion, you know, somehow manages to fashion something, a winning strategy out of a group of players that probably aren't good enough. And if Rafa can't do that, who can? Mm-hmm. Or alternatively, you say, look, Mike Ashley, sell up. You, this, if this three hundred million pound offer that you got, it is a profit. You barely deserve the profit because the team, the team's level in the Premier League has gone from being a top half of the top half of the table Premier League team pretty much year in year out. To now be in a team that is bottom six, top at the very highest where they are now is probably where they, if we, they finish there, we will be throwing 
parties in yeah. Tyneside, weren't we? Because to be honest, we've, we've all been writing similar things for the last ten years. Yeah. To be honest, not just Saturday and Sunday or whenever it was you said. We've all been writing similar things for the last ten years under Ashley because no matter who's been in charge, whether it's been Keegan, he's he's had to jump through hoops to, to sign players with Dennis Wise and Jimenez and people like that, and then Pardew with Graham Carr, and now. Rafa seems to, you know, having to fight just to get in a squad capable of, of holding their own in the Premier League and it's, and it'll continue like that because they just don't seem to want to listen to whoever gets that football operations so head of football operations, manager in old school, uh, just seems to be getting messed around and how long will Rafa put up with that? I don't not for much longer. They're not listened to, are they? That's the problem. I mean you know, Graham Carr was probably by the end was he wasn't they had a lot of money to spend in 2014 and they didn't spend it in the right areas. You know, they, they, they bought the wrong players even in January, really, because they bought two midfielders when they needed a striker. Um, but even Graham Carr's judgment wasn't always backed. The manager's judgments at Newcastle have never been backed. And with Pardew, that was not necessarily a bad thing because he didn't have a clue when it came to buying players, by the way. Um, but the thing is with Rafa, you've got to go all in for Rafa. They did that last summer, two summers ago, sorry, and they were doing really well until January when suddenly his judgment was no longer was considered, oh well you've signed all these bad players. Oh, hold on, they were top of they were virtually top of the league. They were you know, they were well on course for promotion. Um and, and it's just that thing of like whoever it is, like Lee said, whoever's making the judgments, you know, Rafa sat there last week and said, I told them this was gonna happen and it has happened. And a lot of people outside the football club are saying, Oh, he's getting his excuses in early. No, he he's speaking in the context of the way that the club I'd love run. to know some of these people have been tweeting hashtag Rafa out I'd love to know who the thing's going to come in and do a better job well yeah. I'd, lo- I'd love to know the answer to that one yeah. exactly and long and long yeah. who in their right mind would want to manage Newcastle United under the current regime who, who would want to do it somebody desperate mm. for a job someone who's prepared to like just take everything the way it comes mm. and that's it and it hasn't worked that hasn't worked because that's what Alan Pardew was I'll, I'll, do, I'll do whatever I can and that's what Steve McLaren was I'll put up with everything you know Rafa's coming in to be fair to him he's won a lot of battles mm. but you cannot, you can't win them all and mm. there's a lot of things that Rafa wants to do at the club that he hasn't been able to do mm. such as the under 23s and the under 18s because they're in a fight against they were in a fight against relegation when he arrived he got them promoted he couldn't concentrate on anything other than the first team then they're now in a relegation battle again I feel sorry for people in the next 10 years because you know, there's nobody coming through under 23s. No one coming through the under 18s. They're just gonna. Be, it's just a vicious circle. Mm. It's it's new ground for Rafa as well because obviously he's used to winning games. You know, I think he hasn't lost any more than maybe three or four in a row. Um, you know, he doesn't really, didn't really draw that many <coughs> Liverpool. Um, you guys mentioned on Saturday in the press conference it was the first time that he really looked properly frustrated after a game. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I think he's a bad loser anyway, isn't he? In terms, of not a bad loser, as in you know, he just hates losing. So, I don't think it was necessarily that he was like annoyed with anybody. He was just annoyed at what happened, and he just didn't, you know, like I mean, the national media down there were asking about Eden Hazard, um, you know, because they wanted the line about the Belgium England and all that, and he just, you know, I think that got him off to a bad that got that didn't help. Um, but Liam himself asked some questions of him, and, and it was sort of terse one-word answers, one or like short answers. But that you know that, that that's fair enough because he's just annoyed about losing. I think he was frustrated from the perspective of it. There were avoidable errors, 
and then when he's being asked about the takeover, he's being asked about transfers. His answer is, I don't know. And that's he was asked three times in the Monday's press conference and he said about the transfers and he said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And that was him being honest, really. He doesn't know. Because nobody whoever it is, Lee Charney, you know, I don't think knows what's going on at the club either. I don't think he you know, the club are telling us that it's not Newcastle United trying to sell the club, it's you know, St James's Holdings, which is Mike Ashley's company. But in that so they're basically saying, look, it's nothing to do with us, this sale. We're just getting on with it. Sale is some, something else, somebody else. And I don't think they're being kept massively oppressed of what's going on. So what's happening at the moment is this transfer. They're going ahead and planning for transfers, which I, incidentally was what they were doing last 12 months ago. They were going ahead and planning for the transfers that they wanted to make. They didn't sign anybody last January. And I think that's what Rafa's kind of, where Rafa's coming here. Even back in the autumn, he was kind of, he was hopeful but not optimistic that he was going to get the players he wants well that's no way to run a football club and, and Rafa you know he would get annoyed with this amateurishness of, of kind of you know I don't know what I've got in January well look it's we've, we're a month away now okay there's transfer uncertainty but tell us what's going to happen if the transfer doesn't happen uh, Ashley's lawyer said that they were going to invest in January okay well if you are going to invest in January then Tell no, us what. It tell won't, us what. Won't be much though, no. and, they, and they, they wouldn't say, they wouldn't put a figure on what it would be because then everyone would know what Newcastle yeah. would spend. But it won't be much. From my from my information, it's going to be what enough to buy to buy one player, hmm. and maybe get some people in on loan. So it's it's not going to be enough really. Uh, I think there's there's players that need to be moved out. Mitrovic. Mm. You know that's not working. He's not going to get his chance under Rafa, so sell him. Uh, mm. They can get the money. You know, I mentioned Mbemba there. You know, what's the point in having somebody on so much money sitting on the bench, not getting a game? Mm. There's so many players you could make a case to, to sell. I mean, Shelby. Mm. He's been. I've seen Danny Murphy saying, "Oh, I can't believe he's on the bench." It's like, well, he obviously have much Newcastle many times a season because Shelby's been poor. Mm. Would you agree? I think Shel- I think Shelby's not. He's not taking games by the scruff of the neck. I mean, to say that he was in the England, England, or he was people talking about him as potentially an England player. I think he's the one. The reason I think I'd have him in the team is because he can make a difference. And I would say Shelby and Marino might be the ones to to be worth having a. It might be worth giving it a go in the next two games because I don't think the army. I think the army's a problem because he's just not good enough. Hayden. Yeah, I would potentially go with him Hayden and Marino I, I would pick Hayden and Marino or yeah. them two in midfield because One more they're, they're more, the most reliable and Shelby you know not always reliable and not always consistent mm. Supermac said in his column in the week that he played one of them in the number 10 role would you keep Iosi Perez then so, I mean Iosi Perez does a job that Benitez wants him to do and I said that you can. I, I'm not a big fan of him but I did praise him on side I got a lot of stick for it but he just does the running, he does the little things that maybe you, be, you don't really notice that they're not the, that they are the important things, but not the things that stand out, maybe. Yeah, it's a strange one with Perez. Okay, yeah. I, I think that Marino playing in a number 10 role, which he does for Spain under 21s, might be worth something to look at. I think Perez, yeah, I agree, he works hard, but the end product isn't always there. And I don't know. I don't think. I, th- I think Rafa's basically he's got limited options, and that that's one of them. Because do you play the army there? No, he's let he's let them down in the past. 
other options. <laughs> Number ten, you know, De Jong was sold in the summer because it was a good deal for the club apparently. But would he have done the job in the Premier League? He didn't really look like he was going to. No. Previously in that, so no, I think he needs a lot, a lot of improvement. A lot of players need to come in. Sadly, as I've said a couple of times already, there's nothing coming through from the. There's normally at least one under eighteen you can pluck out at every every club. There's always somebody decent coming through the academy. You invest so much money into it. Yeah. You expect one good eighteen-year-old to be coming through. Everton's got that like three or four that you could just throw on at some point. And at least at under twenty three levels, there must be someone twenty, twenty one, twenty two ready to come and take a game by the scruff of the neck, as you say. Mm. But there's not. So they've they've got massive problems. Mm. Don't want to be too gloomy on a, <laughs> yeah. on a Monday, but Monday they've, they've got massive problems mm. and they need it needs to be sorted out. You mentioned there, uh, you know, maybe getting rid of Mitovic, getting rid of Mbemba. But do you trust that the money that they're selling for would even get reinvested in January? Would they be uh, able to bring the players in? That's a good point. Because sometimes Rafa sold players like Wijnaldum and Sissoko and he didn't see all the, all of that money, did he? Mm. Some of it got, well, you'd have to ask the powers that be where that where all that money went, you know, but they're not forthcoming with answers. You know, we put in requests to, to interview them and, you know, ask the questions the fans are asking, but, you know, you're banging your head against a brick wall because they don't want to, they don't want to answer, do they? Mm. And obviously Rafa on Friday was... You know, he wasn't exactly subtle in his message. You know, we wanted to get a striker. He scores twenty plus goals, costs you forty million. You know, he didn't even buy one for fifteen. Will might actually be hearing this message. I mean, what is Rafa's game plan there? Because previous managers wouldn't even have dared said that. I think Rafa's putting Rafa's trying to apply a bit of pressure, isn't he? I mean, he, he said, um, you know, he kind of knows when to go for it to, to fight, and he knows when to shut up. And I think he didn't say anything between. September the 1st and the and pretty much now he didn't say anything there was nothing he didn't say anything in press conferences he played it all down didn't he when when he came back I mean he was kind of it was an ironic one wasn't it because he, he he disappeared for after the transfer window because he was so angry at what happened I think he just sort of thought I'm not going to say anything then he was ill wasn't he um, for the Swansea game so he uh, he wasn't around to answer those questions and then by the day beats Swansea and he came back and he sort of said, Oh look, transfer windows behind us. Now I think he's applying he's applying pressure. Um and that's a message partly for the fans, it's partly for Ashley and it's partly to put this pressure on and, and you know, there is a bit of pushback I think sometimes from Mike Ashley, but you know, what's the point? You go you go in quietly and say nothing? Like well previous managers have done that and it hasn't worked. So I think it is a message I think it is a message for Mike Ashley, yeah. But, but why you put why your point Rafa Benitez? If you don't want to be ambitious mm. and you don't want to be successful, why why bring in a guy like that and then treat him that way? Why bring in Kevin Keegan? Mm. Why you know why do it? If you just want to bring managers in to fight with them over transfer funds, mm. what is the point? The mm. club is just is it the case that he didn't have any? I mean, it, it was the last roll of the dice, wasn't it? Because Newcastle were facing relegation right in the yeah. Face. There is that, but they offered him a three-year contract, yeah, and, yeah. and they expected. Well, they thought there was a chance to stay up. So, you know, the next the few years after that is surely to build some success uh, at the football club, and they haven't. They don't seem like they want to do that, and it's it just baffles me really because it's all ready to take off. We've talked about the stadium before. We've talked about the supporters, um, the the opportunity there. It just needs somebody to be able to instill the vision that they want to to take them forward. And, 
he's not able to do that. No, there's, a woman in, there's a woman in uh, Dubai, well, she's not in Dubai, but a woman in, uh, in London at the moment who, who believes that as well because she wants to buy the club. And um, it's Mike Ashley haggling over it. And, you know, what I don't understand at the moment and what I think is just uh, baffling for me, I understand, you know, this kind of uh, very strong message that's come back from from Ashley's people over the what they thought was an unacceptable first bit. But what's the point in having the football club if you're not if if your kind of vision for it at the moment and he does want to sell it, if your vision for the football club is what's happening at the moment, then okay, we'll keep it and see where it goes because there's a massive upswing in interest in Newcastle at the moment because of Rafa. But believe me, it won't take much for it to kind of bottom out again. And don't forget where Newcastle were before Rafa Benitez came in. It's all very well these people hashtagging Rafa out and all these. Have they forgotten what Newcastle was before Rafa came in? He is the reason why it's changed. It's, you know, if he goes and they get Tony Pulisic, do they think they're going to be getting 52,000 sellouts? Sell, sell think they're going to be selling out all these away ends? Because they weren't before he came in. It was 40 some wasn't it for most of that season when they went down under McLaren people were fed up people were fed up and Mike Ashley can sit and, and sit and wait for a massive offer for Newcastle United all he wants but the fact is he didn't take any offers at the start of the season they're now looking as if it's going to cost him a fair bit in January to, to keep the, to sort of level out the club or alternatively it's going to be a risk towards the end of the season this is an important two week period for Newcastle probably ten days now um, he has to take an offer for me. He has to take an offer. I understand, you know, he's a businessman. He wanted to maximise his offer, all this. I understand that. I understand where he's coming from. But his business logic has taken Newcastle United to a position where they are not a viable Premier League club anymore. So, all right, stick with it and we'll, we'll stabilise again in the Championship, shall we? Because Borough have thrown a lot of money at it and not done anything. Sunderland are bottom of the championship or second bottom of the championship uh, Hull have just got rid of their manager I tell you what like you can sit and say all you want that Rafa well he had all the players last season the job that he did last year to get Newcastle United up was one of the best managerial performances at Newcastle United for since well I think since Pardew got them to fifth it was a phenomenal job to get them where they were they never looked really in danger of not going up I think again Ashley has taken that for granted that it, just like they did with Hewton where they said oh well anybody could get you know I think they, they actually said didn't they off the you know off the record oh anybody could have got us up when, when Chris Hewton had that team well not anybody can get you up not anybody can get you to position where they were in May where it felt like the club was ready to lift off again it can get back to that but it needs he either needs to be backed or Ashley needs to get out and sell to somebody who's going to have a new, a new approach um and uh, you know look I still think they'll stay up there's a lot of problems I still think they'll stay up I think they'll get the results I think they'll get a win from the next two some by hook or by crook but long term this can't keep going on at Newcastle United fair enough if it's you know you're a, you're a team we've seen so many teams now go, go past them in the Ashley era last two three years Watford Burnley Leicester miles ahead of them now Leicester are miles ahead of them and you know, it's only going to last for so long with Newcastle. Like at some point, he's been lucky in many ways, actually, that the club's kind of just managed to keep coming back from a position where you thought, "Oh, they're in real trouble here." But 
cats, you know, you've only got so many lives. And I'll tell you what, like, he's playing with fire if he keeps them and, and Rafa leaves and they go get relegated again because I don't even want to think about it. What do you think of Nisley? Do you think he can see the benefit that Rafa's brought in? He can see that it is the Rafa Benitez effect why they've got you know, such a full house and he's just he's just stubborn, he's just arrogant. I mean, what, what is the, why is Mike Ash like this, do you think? I don't think he can see it. I don't, uh, he likes football, but I don't think he's a football fanatic and I don't think he realises what Rafa Benitez can bring to the table. I think he comes out and he does the odd interview now and again and he kind of gets by with, with a few words because we're all so staggered that you know he's, he's actually doing an interview not not with anybody other than Sky that is but mm. you know that's another conversation altogether I don't think he can I don't think he appreciates what Rafa Benitez can do for the club because if he did he would be a rich man because Rafa would if you, get, if you speculate it would accumulate give Rafa a good spending kitty he'd get you the Champions League Yeah, not this squad but if you give it if you give Rafa Benitez 150 million to spend or 100 million he'd get you the Champions League he obviously can't say that once you're in the Champions League it's mega money then because you're getting the Premier League riches and you're getting the European riches and suddenly your club becomes this massive you know <coughs> massive business and you can continue to achieve things um, but no, nah, he can't see it and doesn't want to see it by the look of it. The problem is you've got teams in the division below now, you've got Wolves in the division below who I think will come up and if Newcastle stay up this season and try and do what they did again this summer, next summer, then Wolves are going to overtake you because they've got more money, they've got you know, they've got a bit of momentum and I think you've got a lot of problems with Newcastle of you know, you've seen big clubs, you see West Ham, you know, if you if you, you have to be on it every summer you have to be on it every summer and that is what Rafa is you know you speak to him we spoke to him in the summer we spoke to him last January he knew that this was a t- this is a club that needs to keep moving forward it needs to be challenging itself every transfer window every as every way they move they've got to be challenging themselves and saying are we doing this the right way can we get better can we get better you know Lee was mentioning there about things that he wants to improve a really key line, and I, I don't think anybody really talked about this at the time. But the last fans, the last um, fans forum, uh, they were asked about the club was asked about the training ground, and Lee Charnley said, or somebody at the club said, Rafa decided he wanted to concentrate on the first team rather than the training ground. Now, if anybody with any sense will tell you that Rafa knows that training ground needs a, a drastic overhaul, it is not at the moment one of the best in the Premier League it's not really you know it's a good training ground but it's not you know it doesn't have the facilities there that it needs Rafa wants that done and any manager worth their salt would want that done and the players to come in but clearly at Newcastle it's like the budget is so limited because of the way that they've they've done things not just because you know Mike Ashley won't put in 100 million but the budget is so limited they can't you know the club can't grow because they're just doing things in, in a piecemeal fashion. I mean, we had uh, the Bournemouth came down the other week and Bournemouth's press officer actually used to work for Newcastle. I had a chat with him and he was telling me like, and I was sort of, oh, how is Bournemouth? He said, oh, it's quite sleepy. But they're just about to move into a massive new facility, training facility. They're a club that were in the fourth division a few years ago, you know, the, the fourth division. They're investing Premier League money to build themselves, to give themselves a chance in the Premier League long-term and 
you know, look, you get left behind. And Mike Ashley's bought a massive club. He's not been able to do it. You know, he's lucky to be getting a profit. He's lucky to be getting an offer that gives him any kind of profit out of this football club because it's not it's not fit for purpose as it is without without Rafa in there. If you get rid of Rafa, you get rid of all that momentum and stuff. The club is a shell. Unfortunately, it's a shell. And whether people around the club want to admit that or not, and whether these people say, you know, oh, Amanda Stavish want to admit that or not, that's the case. He walks, he goes, the club is suddenly like you can halve the value of that football club if they if, if he goes and you can take another 10 15 million off if um if, if they think well no sorry you can get take another 100 million off if they get relegated because there's so much work to do there and and it's just like the opportunity is there and we can sit and dance around rafa's decisions all we want and you know obviously take some culpability for the fact that the army comes in on Saturday and they don't, he doesn't play very well or Mitrovic is sat on the bench but tell you what we, we were all saying it on, on Saturday as we were leaving the ground tell you what you, okay you bring in um, Shelby you bring in Mitrovic would that have changed the game on Saturday? No yeah, it wouldn't No Dummer at Sue no it wouldn't have changed the game and he looked, looked the, the, the only thing that would have changed the game was if Chelsea had, as a done a match report if Chelsea had an off day yeah and Newcastle played the game of their lives. That was the only way they were going to get three yeah. points out of that. Yeah. Only way. Yeah. Because the, the players have got... Just, you match them up one by one with Chelsea's players yeah. and they're nowhere. Yeah. And, and I know some people, and I, I've seen this on Twitter, and I got I got hammered after the Manchester United game for saying that, you know, God, this is where Newcastle are now. And people were saying, well, you know, you're a newly promoted team. What do you expect? But, but Newcastle United, four or five years ago, were on a level with these teams... They beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge a few years ago. Okay, they don't do it very often. But, you know, it's it's the alarming slump in terms of their status that concerns me because we are talking like not that long ago that this was a club that was, you know, challenging for the top half every year. And and it's not anymore. And that is the that's the thing. You just have to look at it and think, look, okay, they have had good moments and they've had moments where you thought they were ready to go. But the general picture at Newcastle United is one of a long-term decline under Mike Ashley. And that is why, and I've said it about a million times in this podcast already, that, but that is what you are battling against here. Look, they might go on a run now. They might be Leicester and Everton and then they're back in the top half of the table. And we enjoyed this, the start that they had. Um, but I don't think anybody was fooled into thinking that that would just be paving over the cracks yeah. if they did win the next two. Yeah. It'd be great if they did and, you know, they would... From Rafa's point of view, we would have rallied the team to get close to, well, it'd be beyond halfway of the 40-point mark. But mm. it would paper over the cracks because there's bigger problems there. Yeah. So. Uh, what, anno- what annoys me, I think, a little bit about the, the way the narrative kind of has moved a little bit is that now it's it's kind of the focus is sort of turning a little bit on Rafa and the decisions that he made in the summer and the decisions that he's making team-wise. But I think you have to see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that Yes, Rafa had a bad transfer window in terms of the, the names that he, that he, the players that he did bring in, haven't necessarily been brilliant. But you have to see it in the context of he had plans that probably would have improved Newcastle a lot. They let him down, so then he had to start making new plans and getting in players who he could get in. I mean, Lee wrote about it extensively in the summer. Mankia was plan was plan Z, wasn't he? He was it was plan you know K L M N. You know they. they they were having to get in players who were so far down the list 
and then he was just getting an option to buy somebody like Murphy comes up and he's like well do you, you know my case 10 million we'll just go out and get him because <laughs> well the alarm bells should have been ringing loudly when they signed that to yeah because I don't know how good your memory is but if you go back to the last uh, let's say about the 41-42 game mark in the championship Atu was a player he was undecided on but he had a couple of good games towards the end of the season they got the chance to say there's a deal 6 million on the table take it or leave it and Rafa must have just thought I'm going to take it Mm. because I might not get another chance to bring a winger in and that was when the alarm bells should have been ringing because Atu would have been first choice he was a player signed to simply get them promoted Mm. Gufran getting a contract offer yeah, to me that to me that was when I sort of thought, oh, it's not quite as and Gufran uh, turned it down. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were saying I was saying last week, you know, would you have kept Daryl Murphy if you known what was going to happen? I think I, I would have done. Possibly. I think it would have been a better option than Jocelyn. But Raffle was trying to raise funds, wasn't he? He was te- he knew that he had to sell players, so he went and so he went and sold those players when he thought he had the chance it was good money though for Murphy it was good money age, yeah. it was you, wouldn't, good. you wouldn't get that money ever again so no. but he's probably done it on the basis that it would go towards somebody else and then he's ended up with Jocelyn and you, you don't want to sit here hammering no. Jocelyn too much because he's £5 million what do, you, what do you expect him to do he's not going to be hitting 15 plus goals this season so it's it's a bad situation but one that they've just got to try and get on with and, and on the on the takeover Lee what is the latest that you understand is that talks still ongoing yeah talks still ongoing I know a lot of people out there starting to get get frustrated now with saying why why are you writing a story until it's sold but as Mark will tell you I'm sure when, when he speaks next <laughs> you've got to you've got to stay on it with this takeover story you've got to keep asking questions there was a big story in the national newspaper on Saturday saying there'd been a second bid it's our job as journalists to go and check that out mm. which is what we did and you know to learn that there hadn't been a second bid but you know talks are still ongoing but from where I'm sitting it looks like Mike Ashley's trying to hold off £400 million he's not entertaining 300 350 he's trying to hold off £400 million trying to get the maximum he can out of this but it's whether the people who are interested in buying it want to pay that because once say they do pay the 400 million then that's where the investment starts but there's going to have to plough probably what another 400 million in after that to make it into a decent football club so it's probably an 800 million pound project really isn't it a lot of money, yeah. It's a lot of money. And Christmas deadlines. Let's be honest; it's just not looking um, likely, is it? No, I, I think. I mean, there are there are options and there are ways that, that they can get around that. But um, I always felt, felt Christmas was if if Mike Ashley was going to drive such a hard bargain. I don't know why he came out and said, or why his people came out and said we want to get it sold by Christmas. Because if you're going to drive that harder bargain, you know, I think they did it to try and smoke out interest. There hasn't been much. There's been at the price that he wants for it. I mean, you know, the latest that I'd heard was that um, people, you know, around Ashley were doubting whether Stavely had the money to, to or Stavely's people had the money to to um, broker the deal. Well, you know, why would you offer £300 million if she didn't have the money? Of course she had the money. I mean, you know, I, I, just, I just take anything that people around Mike Ashley say with a massive pinch of salt because we've been here before and we know, we know what they're about and we know that they... 
like to put across a certain viewpoint that that is my Cassidy's. Now, I don't really feel like, you know, I feel like there's always an excuse when it comes to Mike Ashley. There's always an apologist willing to tell you why why it's not worked out. Oh, well, Mike's given Rafa everything he wanted. Rafa wasn't, Rafa wasn't misled. It wasn't Rafa who was misled. He, he, he knew what he was doing. He was just, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I don't buy how every manager that Mike Ashley could work with would come out of it. And of course, they've all got confidentiality agreements. So not one of them is going to come out and say, I didn't get what I wanted. But Rafa Benitez is saying what every other manager at Newcastle United has, has felt. So on the takeover front, I find like, look, you know, if you want, if you're serious about getting a deal done, there's an offer there for you. And that is and that is an offer that, okay, you haggle over the details, but you have to, I think, give some encouragement now to the other party that you do want to do a deal at a, at a reasonable price. £400 million for a club that's five points off the relegation zone, you know, there was all this kind of like, well, how can you put a relegation release clause? How can you put a relegation clause in, sorry, where you'd have to pay some money back? Because they're five points above the relegations, and that's why, Mike. You know, it, like, it's going to cost a lot of money to, to, to get Newcastle United up. And I understand he's saying he's also been offered an offer, he's also been given an offer where he could get out quickly and the money would be there, but it would be less than he wants to, to sell at. So it's up to him. It's up to him. If he if he doesn't sell it, he has to come up with a solution for how he's going to get Newcastle United to be a credible Premier League team. That's the top and bottom of it. Um, but in terms of writing stuff, and in terms of I know some people are sort of saying, you know, but in terms of writing it, you know, look, there was a big story, in, as Lee said, and um, I know what process went into Lee's story that then came out Saturday, which obviously, you know we have a duty to check it. We're, we're not just rewriting what is being written elsewhere. Um, we, we're kind of trying to get across it quite early. And I think we've said all along that, you know, it might not be that, um, it might not come out in a from, to a football journalist in the next few months because you know, there's non-disclosure agreements signed and, and, and all those kind of things. And the leak caused a few problems, I think, didn't it? That, that you know, the story coming out. There's a good chance it would come from the city. Yeah. Um, from the financial journalism side yeah. of things, yeah, not I'm not ruling us out. We might still get it. <laughs> yeah. We might still get it. But you know, if whoever get, um, to be totally honest, if if you're a football fan and you're worried where an exclusive is broken, hmm. that isn't football for me. That's uh, yeah, what's a problem? I think Aki's Aki's being um, accurate, isn't it? Aki's just getting that accuracy and making sure that it's and making sure that it's right because you know there's been a lot of stories out there a lot of a lot of people saying things a lot of people putting stuff on Twitter who you know kind of hinted at you know kind of knowledge and, and, and things and, and you know like we're trying to sit here and give you an, you know when people are saying there's a 300 million pound bid in you know we did a lot of work on Saturday morning to get to the state where we could say look it's not true um, there's a lot of sort of armchair writers out there isn't there mm-hmm. that think that they've got knowledge of what's going on but the reality is is that the story will come mm. more than certainly from the city mm. because it's a financial story mm. it's yeah. where it came from last time when mm. I actually bought the club yeah. is this new ground for my Ash because he's never really had a proper bid over the last 10 years no matter how many times he's put the club up for sale travelling to the far east to try and sell it what have you he's never really had a proper bid where he's had to sit down and think well actually it's there on the table, you know. It is. It is yeah. a legit bid. 
I don't think he sees this as a, uh, sees that as a proper bid, which is the pro- which is the problem, isn't it? That, like, I think the reason it was like it's a theory. This, and I'm not necessarily suggesting it's the right way. I think the reason it leaked out last time because people have asked why did it leak. The reason it leaked out last time is because that bid was put to Ashley's people, and Ashley, I don't think, actually even responded. And I think it was put out there to kind of try and light a fire under the whole situation because they felt it was like a typical Newcastle United under Mike Ashley fudge, you know. We've seen it so many times when stuff just rumbles on. There's no decisiveness there at Newcastle United under Mike Ashley. It just rumbles on and it's allowed to fester and it's like, you know, and I think that was what was happening with this. And I think that the, the reason for the bid getting leaked out there was like, right, let's 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 get let's get some urgency into this. You know, this is this has to happen quickly. Um, and I think that was that was what it was. But since then, nothing really um, significant. You can't ignore it, can you? You can't ignore the story. No, that's, oh, that's no, the thing. No. So people say, "No, don't say anything until it's done." Well, does it? You wouldn't. You wouldn't yeah. just write a football report on the on the back of a result. You would write it live blogging, as mm. Andrew will yeah. testify. Yeah. Right. You've got to keep the stories updated as, as we're going through yeah. it. So yeah. And you can only, and the thing is, and the thing is, with all of this, it's like this is this would be the biggest Newcastle United story for ten years. So, you know, there's obviously huge interest. That's all I get asked about when I'm out. You know, people don't ask you about the team; they just ask you about the takeover. Like Saturday, Saturday coming back on the train, um, <laughs> people asking me about it then. Um, and you know, I, I think we know that it's, it, and, we, and we're trying to, you know, we get. I was making calls last week about it. Lee makes calls every day about it. Gets, gets, you know, we we are, we are like we are like if people think that we're just kind of sitting here and 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 you know we're just kind of letting things drift and and and, and as I think that don't forget, there's still an offer on the table yeah, as well yeah, from yeah, Amanda yeah. Stavely, PCP. There is an offer on the table, and that offer still it hasn't been rejected. And yeah, well, it yeah. hasn't been. It's been played down. It hasn't been the. They have not had that offer rejected as yet. Right. Yeah. And we've got to remember that. You know, that they might want it structured a bit differently. They might might want extra money further down the line on certain things. But that offer hasn't been rejected yet. And to be honest, the fans have not uh, made any noise about this in this season, have they? Really? No. No. They've never shouted for Ashley to go. No, no. That's why I said two weeks ago, great time to go. They were eleventh in the mm. table. Um, there was no animosity from the fans. It was a good offer for the club. It was a great time to go. Mm. You're not going to get better. if they do what Sunderland have done. Then they're not going to be worth a carrot. Well, Ellis Short can't sell New Sunderland because they got relegated, mm-hmm. and he had the Probably chance. Probably going to get relegated again. I think they'll stay. I think they'll be alright. I think they'll be alright. But I know what you mean. Yeah, and I think that that is if Birmingham win tonight. We're talking about Sunderland here now, but. Birmingham win tonight against Wolves which is a tough one for them that will become a psychological battle for them I suppose they should set alarm bells ringing and saying well actually if you get caught down in the championship Rafa probably won't stay next season well most certainly wouldn't stay I think Rafa I think it would be difficult for Rafa to stay anyway I think because you know look he, it was an almighty effort to get them back up I, I think it would be difficult if you got, if you got relegated look I, I don't think they will get relegated under Rafa but if they did get relegated you know it wouldn't have been Rafa's finest moment either uh, and you know I know that there's a lot of mitigation there but he's a, he's decided to go on and do it and he'll back himself to keep them up um, get the results the value of the club would, would yeah, I, that, wouldn't it 
we don't know we don't know what Newcastle United a relegated Newcastle United under Mike Ashley next season would look like um, he, cool. he always seems to find a way doesn't he of kind of you know these things come around but I think he's you know he's been lucky with a lot of things um, you know that the very bare minimum that Newcastle United should be aspiring to in this this Premier League era is to be comfortable in the Premier League. You know, like everybody, everybody was kind of worrying about Everton and even Leicester last season when they were in the relegation battle, or supposedly when they sacked Ranieri. But they've moved to a stage now, I think, where they look comfortable in the Premier League. They don't look like they're going to be battling relegation every year. Even Bournemouth had a bad start this year, but you knew they had enough quality to get out of it. Watford now eighth in the league. You know, Burnley. We thought I thought they might struggle this season, but nah, they aren't. And that is the that is the problem with Newcastle. You, know, you you don't see a lot of reason to be massively optimistic that they're going to put all the points together to get themselves out of the relegation zone. They've got Brighton and Huddersfield who they're going to be battling with this season. They've got Swansea, Palace, West Brom. I think are going to all be in there. But apart from that, obviously West Ham, you'd say you, you know obviously going to be struggling as well because they're just badly run as well. But that's, those are the teams they're going to be battling against because Everton are out of it now. Southampton got too much; they'll be out of it, um, you know. And could potentially West Ham get out of it as well? I don't know. They could they they could couldn't they? Um, no, no, that's true. I mean, they don't look brilliant, but they've. David Moyes was pleased with the yeah. two-one defeat yesterday, yeah. wasn't he? Two two games this weekend before Newcastle kick off. There's Huddersfield against Brighton and Swansea against West Brom. And, um, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on those because those are going to be uh, important games. I hope, let's hope they're both draws. We'll get on to Leicester in just a moment. But just, just to sum up the, or to wrap up the table of a talk, Lee, do you see it happening by maybe the end of January, February? Or are you just thinking now maybe towards the end of the season? I think it, it could still happen at any time. Mm. It could still happen this month. Fingers yeah. crossed, Mark. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Lee. I agree with Lee. I think. Not from the team. Yeah, I think there's a lot of. I think people are getting really wound up the last week because people have been much more downbeat about it. But look, you know, I don't think anybody's got any special um, insight into exactly where things are. And I think, like Lee said, it could it could just get done. It'll crank up this month because what what will happen is there'll be a statement from Newcastle at some point. You know, because Ashley's actually come out with his lawyer and said, "We want it sold by Christmas. Christmas is very well. We're in Christmas yeah. now, aren't we? we are. Officially, yeah. So uh, we're in the the Christmas sort of period now. So a statement may be round the corner, mm. and we'll learn a lot more whether mm. they call out the Stavely Group, mm. say, well, put your money on the table again, and then it's it's a very niggly deal. Mm. Yeah." Positive vibes, positive vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the positive vibes are that, that, that Amanda Stavey hasn't walked away. Yeah. You'll hear a statement from them as well. And, and there's, there's, once they've made a decision one way or the other, they'll probably bring out a statement and say, we tried to buy, we tried to give you the dream and they wouldn't sell it and they were being unreasonable. So Remember Amanda Stavely, when she tried to buy Liverpool, they did actually say, they did actually come out and, and put a statement and said, this deal was too difficult to do and it was the owners of Liverpool who made it very difficult to do and that put a load of pressure on the, Liverpool, the owners of Liverpool who it was a slightly different deal because they couldn't afford to keep Liverpool running because they fell out with each other um, but you know like we said a lot of pressure there'd be a lot of pressure on Ashley then mm. I mean I remember when there was a group called uh, Profitable the Profitable oh, group yes. who actually 
you know, made noises to, to the Chronicle at the time, we want to buy Newcastle. I said, well, look, if you want to buy it, you're going to have to come out publicly, mm. declare it, because I'm not going to continue writing stories. And eventually Steve McMahon, who was heading the group, not Vince McMahon, <laughs> Steve McMahon, come out and said, yeah, we want to we want to take Newcastle on. And then when it didn't happen, he came out and said, yeah, we tried and they wouldn't sell it. So yeah. there'll, there'll be some kind of movement in the next mm. uh, few weeks. Yeah. Uh, just briefly, FA Cup draw tonight. I think Newcastle are number 28. Who do you think, or who, who should be hoping Newcastle will get? I'll tell you Newcastle will get, and probably most people will be listening to this after it's happened and it'll be Sunderland away. But um, you, you just know Newcastle are going to end up getting a decent championship team away from home. First weekend of January, they have to put a team out that's not quite the strongest and they lose it. No, no, I, let's be positive. Sorry, there's a very negative vibe there, yeah. Um, you just want Newcastle to... Uh, do you know what? I'd really like to see Newcastle actually have a go at it this year. Um, a decent draw in the first round. A decent third round, sorry. Um, I'd love it if it was Bradford, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, it probably won't be, but I'd love to see a decent home draw. Um, nice, easy progress through to round five, round six. And then they and then they get a bit of momentum back. Um, but yeah, FA Cup feels like a bit of a it's a bit of a diversion, isn't it? Again, yet again, we get to this stage of the season, and it's sort of like a lot of Newcastle fans would say, "Well, I'd take you know, I'd, t- I'd just oh, we've got to concentrate on staying up." If, if, they're on the, if they're the wrong side of twenty points, then that will determine how serious they take yeah. the FA Cup. Yeah, but you, I mean, you mentioned before on a twenty ones and aliens. There's no one coming through. Many teams would. Look to play one or two like Benitez did last last year, brought in uh, Yasin Benami and uh, Daniel Barleza. But he, he hasn't really got much choice to do that if he wanted to take it seriously this year because, like you say, there's not that real quality, maybe apart from Barleza, who we've just mentioned mm-hmm. there, Herdman maybe coming through. So, how can he play <coughs> a side that's still going to progress, but it's not his first, his well, first he, chance? He can't, he, he, cannot, he can't do that because the, the under 23 team wouldn't be strong enough. Depends who they play. They play a League Two team. I'd still have my doubts. I watched them against Oldham Athletic, League One, and they got absolutely torn to shreds in the Checker trade. Mm, And um, they lost to Port Vale from League Two. Uh, You know, they're not good enough, basically. So, and I would say Barley's is probably the nearest to the first team, but you would only have them on the bench. So. Mm. There's players there in the reserve, though, isn't there? We could probably get them. You know, I think always the problem is, with, you know, there's probably good enough players like your Aaron's and Smitrovic and all this. Yeah, I think always the problem is that when you bring them all in and put them all in a team together, this is what Newcastle. If you get Chelsea away and you play Chelsea reserves, then they're out. Yeah, well, the Bradford beat Chelsea. Is there a tie you'd like to see? Eh? Uh, I would probably like to see a home tie um, against Sunderland. <laughs> Which I thought like this, wouldn't we all? <laughs> um, Leicester would be, be fun. Um, Leicester this Saturday, obviously, um, a big game, 125 year celebrations as well. Um, so lots going on before announcing the greatest team, which yep. you can still pick yours. Um, deadlines tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Deadlines tomorrow, Tuesday the 5th. So get online at Chronicle Live and make sure you've picked yours. Um, Leicester looking very good though. And the pure, I mean, a lot of people said, I'm not sure, but he had a good season in Southampton. And people say maybe harshly sacked or forced out, and he started quite well at Leicester. Yeah, they're a good team, aren't they? I mean, yeah, look, won the title a couple of years ago, still got the nucleus of that team. Jamie Vardy, very dangerous. 
probably England's best strike after Harry Kane. Yeah. So they've got some great players. Mares, um, they've, they've made signings. They've strengthened since then as well. So I think it's tough. It's a tough game. This. Uh, are you asking me how it's going to go? How's it going to go? <laughs> I think you said it all then. I, so I would. I would. Honestly, I would take a. I would take a point if you offered me that now. I mean, they just beat they beat Spurs over the weekend. Yeah, they did. You yeah, were yeah. you you talked about all the goals coming from the flanks. We give Mares all the right yeah. and the chance to run exactly. against the likes of Yedlin, Manco. You know, it, it Dummett, who's arguably not going to be fully fit if he does start. This is what's come to. We're scared of Leicester. They've, they've, they've also got a lad in the middle of midfield called Wilfred Ndidi, who Newcastle United were at one point in the market for, but you know they didn't have a chance because he ended up costing a lot, but. Yeah, I, um, I don't think I, I think you know you're not you don't feel massively confident about Newcastle playing anybody the way they're playing at the moment. But having said that, if they get you know if if they get a start, Leicester aren't Chelsea. You know they're, they're not going to blow Newcastle away in the same way we hope. But uh, you know they just need to get a start. They need to get a foothold on the game. Good, you know the right team selection, the right system. Um, the atmosphere will be okay. I think their atmosphere will be pretty good. Um, and maybe it's just kind of this whole mentality has been reset a little bit. Of look, we've just got to get. We've just got everybody's got to be together. We've got to go and scrap fat for every point. And Newcastle need to find somehow five points from the next four games, um, which they can do. You know, look, Everton and Leicester are decent teams, but they've got their weaknesses. We know they've got their weaknesses, and that's what they need to kind of concentrate on. They've got West Ham before Christmas as well, so. That's the game they've got to win. Any big changes that you'd make for Saturday? Uh, well, I don't think he'll go with five at the back. I think he'll be back to four at the back. I'd just go back to four. I would go back to four three or four two three one. Um, but I, I might go Marino and Shelby. I would go Marino and Shelby. Like say, look, those two will get on the ball and set the tone a little bit. And you know, maybe the protection comes from you know Uriosi Perez. You know, doing the defensive work at number ten. Um, and and having it somebody you know there because if Marino and Shelby can pick a few passes, then 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 you're all right there. They are going to have to be strong on either side, on either flank. They're going to have to be better. So Dummett would be a good would be a good addition if he came back in and he was fully fit. Um, and then on the you know on the right, probably Yedlin back in again because he's quick, isn't he? He could cope with. I thought Yedlin was unlucky to be dropped. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah, yeah. Because the guy who came in didn't really. It's more. easy to say it now, but he didn't do a great job. No. Did he? So, yeah. I suppose plus point Murphy's looked good over the past few weeks, so he'll be hoping to build on. You know, he had a decent enough performance against yeah. Chelsea. He'll be hoping to build on the last few weeks, and Leicester's a team that maybe could have a, have a good go at. Yeah, I mean, it's a chance there um, for him to come in. I mean, does he rest Matt Ritchie after a tough few weeks? Looks like he needs a rest. Might give. Aaron's chance from the start as well. That would be a worthwhile change for me. Can you keep Gale up front? Oh, definitely, yeah, because he's Newcastle's best source of goals. Um, I would play 4 4 1 1. Who you play in that number 10 role would be, you know, interesting. He's not going to do the Marino thing, he won't, he won't do that. So. Prediction mark? Uh, I'm going to go. 2 0 Newcastle. No, I'm not. Uh, let's say they're going to win. 2 2 1. I'm going to say they're going to win. Um, but that's a little bit optimistic on my part, probably. But um, yeah, I think they can win. I don't think Leicester are infallible. 
So if Newcastle get everything spot on, then they can win that game. They, these two are both winnable from that perspective. Lee, score protection. You said a draw, so we... 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. It's going to be entertaining then on <laughs> Saturday. So just remember to head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to pick your greatest Newcastle United team of the last 25 years if indeed you are listening to this before the 5th of December that team will be announced um, on Saturday I think at half time or is it just before well, it's going to be just before isn't it it's in morning yeah morning it's yeah Saturday morning. morning we're going to have a piece just telling you everything that's everything we can expect from that day uh, later in the week so something to look forward to it'd be good brilliant stuff and yeah just keep over on the website for the latest Newcastle United news thank you very much good. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. Why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?